and welcome to the newest episode of the Women in Foreign Policy podcast. This month we are discussing international disability advocacy, and we are going to talk to one woman who has been a key figure in leading the charge to ensure disability rights around the world. We'll get to hear her perspective on how these rights can truly affect all of us. So I'll let her introduce herself now. My name is Susan Siegel, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Mobility International USA, and we're a nonprofit organization, a national nonprofit based in Eugene, Oregon, whose mission is to advance disability rights and leadership globally. And we work in seven, several different areas. We work in the field of international exchange, in, in the field of international development, also promoting women's leadership, disabled women's leadership, and all people with um, disabilities in order to build a pipeline of leaders with disabilities around the world. And part of our organization also, which is funded in part by the State Department, works to increase the number of people with disabilities in all types of exchanges. So that's anything from study abroad to getting Fulbrights, the Peace Corps, and all those types of programs, and I'm thrilled to uh, be on this call. What made you decide to go into advocacy? Why, what brought you to this career that you've chosen? Well, for me, it's a very great and interesting question on how I personally got involved in disability advocacy in that um, I'm originally from New York, and I was growing up very athletic, was just decided to go to school at the University of uh, Colorado. At that time, I was not a person with a disability, but I was interested in working with disabled people. But to be honest, I did not know any disabled people. And while I was actually studying at the University of Colorado in Boulder, actually taking classes around um, sometimes disability and other, other issues, I was in a car accident. I was a passenger in a car accident. I was not the driver. And at the age of 18, in a split second, uh, became a paraplegic. And so I suddenly, in a split of a second, went from um, thinking about disability issues as something I wanted to do academically to a very uh, a personal, a, a personal journey. And I began instantly to see some of the discrimination and the human rights violations that disabled people face right here in the United States. So really, I didn't really change my career, but actually just it just gave me a very obviously strong personal and now professional lens to to really, you know, to do something to ensure that all people with disabilities whether it's the United States and throughout the world have the same rights as non-disabled people do. And having spent my first 18 years being a non-disabled person, it became quite evident to me um, the low perceived notions that people have about people with disabilities as, as well as the obstacles that that are faced. And so uh, that's how I got on this journey. And uh now I am a proud, as we say, loud, proud, and passionate disability rights um, advocate and um, actually proud to be part of the tribe of people with disabilities. That's such an interesting story as well because I think that one of the things that a lot of people who maybe are, are able-bodied forget about is that that's not a 
continuous state necessarily. Like you're not guaranteed to always be an able-bodied person. Mm -hmm. And so like disability advocacy actually kind of affects all of us because as you say, like in a split second, uh, everything can change. And maybe suddenly you find that this thing you thought was purely academic is actually deeply Mm -hmm. important to your life. (laughs) And also, you know, I just add to that, I think everything you write that said is true and, which I think sometimes is very difficult sometimes for people who don't have disabilities to either believe or comprehend, but many of us, you know, from the disability rights movement feel a real, certainly a sense of pride to be, you know, a person with disability. I've played wheelchair sports, I've skied, I horseback ride, I travel all over the world. Um, I love being part of the family of people with disabilities, and a lot of us also would want not want to trade who we are or our identity as we know it now, which I think sometimes is also a little bit hard for people to understand because so much of thinking about disability is always in such a negative form. But of course, I think, at least myself included, we want all people to be you know, to feel good, to feel fit, to, you know, not be in pain um, and to have healthy lives. So if you can sort of put that whole paradox together, it's just, it's a, just an interesting uh, state of mind. So thinking about the intersection between ability and disability and gender, um, are there sort of specific concerns that exist there or specific issues that women with disabilities have to grapple with that maybe don't exist for people of other genders? I think, you know, women with disabilities face more more chance of violence than than men, you know, more chance of abuse, less chance of, of getting um, employment, um, even when there's food scarcity, less chance of having food. So, there are many, you know, less chance of getting jobs, getting leadership positions, um, less chance of getting married, which, as you know, for in many societies, is very um, connected to getting land rights and and getting, um, you know, you know, just having economic, any kind of economic independence or prosperity. So we know there's double discrimination for women than there is for as as opposed to um, non-disabled women, and there's more discrimination of disabled women and girls than there is of disabled boys and men. So we know that's um, a very very real fact. But, and again, of course, we also always emphasize the positives also of being a woman with disability because we work with thousands of disabled women and see how brilliant and resilient um, they are, one, because they are women and they bring all those positive attributes, and because they're disabled women, similar to what I just said about myself, that there's a real sense of pride of, of who we are. And, and also, then, you know, women with disabilities obviously can have multiple identities when they're women who are, have disabilities who are also indigenous, women with disabilities, people of color, women from the LGBT population, refugees. So I think the idea is always, you know, as you mentioned in your question, to think about the intersectionality and to realize that there are different factors that have to do, you know, with gender. And the other thing, obviously, about with disability that perhaps is different than some other identities is that a lot of times you can't just say everyone is the same and everyone is equal and everyone is welcome, that the whole idea of providing reasonable accommodation is it makes the playing field equal. So you can say 
you know, your HIV prevention clinic is open to everyone unless you have put money in your budget for sign language interpreters. And you can say, you know, all your services don't discriminate if your places aren't, you know, in physically accessible places. So I think, you know, when you think of the whole, you know, making foreign policy, doing foreign assistance, I mean, all those things, you really have to understand that context of disability um, to to really, um, I think, provide foreign assistance, do foreign policy, do disability advocacy in a way that really sees disability and and as a familiar human rights lens. So that's just kind of the the simplicity of it and the complexity of it. Specifically, what we wanted to look at is not just sort of um, disability advocacy that's bound to a specific jurisdiction, but those advocacy organizations that are working internationally. And I wonder if you have thoughts about the difference in that experience or maybe like different difficulties you encounter when you're working internationally versus if you were doing like purely U.S.-based disability advocacy. Right. Right. Well, I, you know, I probably do more advocacy in the international arena in the international development field, the things that we're constantly dealing with is um, like they people are receiving money from USAID and are doing foreign assistance programs, and are are they really ensuring that all their programs and services are inclusive for people with disabilities, especially women and girls with disabilities? And I think a lot of times people will think about diversity, but they don't necessarily consider disability as part of diversity, or they have not budgeted accordingly, and so they don't provide the accommodations that are needed so that disabled people can get the same programs outside the U.S., I think when we work with disabled people outside the United States, some of the differences is here in the United States where we have the Americans with Disabilities Act, that law has teeth and there are consequences and you can sue people and at least even though everything isn't perfect, there are some very strong mechanisms for for legal things. And when we work with disabled people's organizations in other countries, they all have laws pretty much but they don't, their laws don't always have teeth. And mm. so that's another very big thing is how do you make sure that you have what laws can really be implemented and how also to make sure that the, the organizations run by and for people with disabilities are supported in a way that they can push pressure against the government or whatever to make sure that laws and policies are really enforced. Looking towards the future, then, um, when you're thinking about the next generation or the next frontier in disability advocacy, what is that for you? Where do you see this field or this sort of advocacy are we going in the next kind of 10, 15, 20 years? Um, one of the things I was just talking to one of my staff colleagues and one of the women who participated in one of our women's leadership programs, uh, who's a wheelchair, as we would say, a wheelchair rider, she's now the... Um, the Minister of Social Affairs for Armenia. So she's a very, very high up position in, in the government. And I think what I'm hoping is that we really need to build a pipeline, you know, of leaders, especially leaders who have a disability rights lens. And to do that, you know, especially we really want to encourage all, you know, young women and especially women with, dis you know, all types of disabilities to think of going into careers like 
um, you know, working, you know, in the U.S. government, being ambassadors, working in the field and all the NGOs and international development. And the way to do that, we see that a lot of non-disabled do have had experience in international exchange. They studied abroad. They studied foreign languages. And so we want to make sure in the next few years that more and more people with disabilities, especially women with disabilities, really um, are are making sure that they're taking advantage of the scholarships, doing those programs, because I think to really have real change, we need more people who have a disability rights lens to be in leadership positions, which means you have to get those internships, study abroad, learn languages, um, just get all those skills so we have more more power and more positions both in the US and globally to be leaders and, and, and set and set the direction of what of what we want to happen. I think that's a really astute observation and I, I hope certainly that that is something that you and the next generation of advocates can can make happen. And also kind of along those lines. I wondered if there were like careers in the disability advocacy space that maybe someone outside of that space looking in might not know exist or like ways that someone could engage in terms of like a career or a job that they don't necessarily know from mm-hmm. from just looking in that exists, you know? That's a great question and there's so many. I mean, if you're someone who wants to work like in a disability space, you know, there's independent living centers all over the United States um, that are needing, you know, great leadership, you know, in those places. At every university, there's disabled students' offices um, where people with disabilities who want to ensure that disabled students, you know, get all the resources and, and information they need for their education. I mean, those are sort of the obvious ones. I'm really also interested in people go into the international exchange field. I mean, I go to conferences, you know, I just went to a conference for CIEE and um, there are, you know, hundreds of people from all over the world and they have fascinating jobs working in study abroad and professional exchange and you can do a lot in that, in, in those professions, ensuring that people with disabilities are in those exchanges making some of the topic areas about disability rights. And also, if you're a person with a disability, just there are so few disabled people in the whole international exchange profession. I also go to, I'm on the board of Interaction, which you might know is the, um, the uh, umbrella organization of U.S.-based NGOs working in international development. I'm, you know, one of the, right now, the only, I would say, one of the only, only visible persons with a disability who, you know, who's, a, who's, who's an advocate. And even if you don't have a disability, we need a lot more people to work for the Oxfam's, the International Youth Foundation, all those organizations, and bring, whether you're disabled or not, bring the disability perspective. I mean, I am literally fighting every day to ensure that, you know, that are disabled people being included in all the youth programs? Are there... Um, is disability, you know, being done in each and of those international development programs. So I want people who have, who are interested in the disability space and in the, the rights space and the justice space to go into international exchange, to go into international development. And um, 
to really, you know, to to think about other careers. And, you know, on our website, we, um, we're we really focusing about looking into careers that people with disabilities can go who are interested in international. So I'm sure you'll post our website. At, it's miusa.org. And, and as part of Mobile International USA, it's the part of our organization that deals with that as the National Clearinghouse on Disability Exchange. That's the part of the organization that's promoting more people from other countries to volunteer study, research, do professional exchanges in the U.S., and also for people with disabilities to research, study, volunteer, do exchanges outside. And until, you know, I talk a lot about moving from inclusion to infiltration, that people have been talking about including disabled people for so long, but, you know, I don't think it's been that effective. So I think if you're a person with a disability, a young woman with a disability, that you need to be very proactive in going to those places, those organizations, those careers that you want and not wait to get invited. And if you're a person without a disability, is really going and finding the people with disabilities and ensuring that they're always part of your program. So I, I just think we... We need to kind of kick things up a bit um, because of just keeping the status quo I don't think is working. No, I think you're right. And I love the idea of like infiltration. Like that is a great word and I love its use here so much. So I have one last question. Like what a piece of advice you would give your past self would be or like something you wish you'd known when you were starting out and you were, you know, 18, 19, a disability advocate and like trying to figure out this space. Like what would you tell that person now? Well, I don't know if I'm just like overly optimistic, but I'm I'm so glad I went forth doing things without necessarily wondering if I knew exactly what I was doing. So I started a, actually a nonprofit while I was an undergraduate um, at the University of California, Berkeley, that actually focused on run by and for disabled people. I was the co-founder, and I was focusing on uh, recreation and sports and I didn't know how to start a nonprofit. I just sort of jumped in and did it. And then later on, I got a Rotary scholarship and uh, spent a year in Australia, which was fabulous, and then started Mobility International. And again, um, I'm glad I didn't overthink, you know, do I know everything to do that? But I think the advice would be to surround yourself with people, two things. One, who sort of believe in your ideas and your dreams and are sort of positive people. And two, to surround yourself with people who complement your skills. I mean, I'm hopefully good at being big thinker and creating things, but I'm surrounded by people who are very logical and who write grants and who love doing budgets. And and so I, I think you really have to see what you do and surround yourself with people who complement that. And now I'm kind of glad I didn't know everything because things I think I couldn't have imagined the impact that I think Lisa Mayusa has had. And I was glad that I didn't doubt it. And, and I think as much as people can while they're in school and studying is to do internships, to do, I did lots of independent studies. I did lots of creating my own projects um, and, you know, being creative, being intuitive, say going on exchanges, studying other languages. Yeah, I think use your time when you're, you know, when you're 18, 19, in your 20s to not separate your academic life 
from your career life, from your personal life, from what's needed to happen in the world. I mean, I think we only have a very limited, really few years in this life we're given. And so to really try to have a much more holistic thing that you're doing what you want, you're doing based on values that you believe in, surrounded by people who believe in you, and not to doubt yourself and uh, go forward. You know, I really would love to see, you know, more, more, you know, young women, young people really um, be in, 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 the, in, in the field, you know, in the field of international and foreign policy. Um, I think we need to think more globally. I mean, I work with thousands of people from all over the world, and it, it really does feel like a sense of a, of a, a global a global family, but until we have leaders that have um, positive human rights values around disability, the world is not going to be the way that it should be. And I'm I'm excited and I'm encouraged that I think the the young women with disabilities that we're seeing now, um, I think are just going to disrupt the status quo and and make it a more a just world. And I'm hoping that all the different movements from the environmental movement to the disability movement to the women's movement to the LGBT movement, I hope everyone will take on everybody else's issues and it will become just one, a one movement because I think all the issues are really interrelated. We hope this episode was really useful to all women, those looking to become advocates, those with disabilities, and those without. As Susan mentioned, disability advocacy is something that affects all of us because at any moment it could become our reality. So ensuring these rights globally is a crucial aspect of policy that works for everyone. I want to thank Susan for her time and for the work she does at Mobility International USA, trying to make the world a more accessible place for everyone. I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and please don't forget to subscribe to us and rate and review this podcast on whatever app you use. That helps other people find us. It also helps us keep our podcast at the top of listings, and that helps us attract new listeners. While you're at it, please subscribe to the Women in Foreign Policy newsletter, which is available on our website. Our podcast next month will be about values and jobs, so if anyone has any thoughts or people they'd be interested in hearing from, please let us know, as we will be preparing for that shortly. You can follow us on Twitter, at WomenInFP, and if the work we're doing here means a lot to you, please consider supporting us on places like PayPal at LN Goulet or on Patreon at Women in Foreign Policy. We are an all-volunteer team, so that makes your support even more helpful. We love the work that we do, and we couldn't do it without listeners like you. Thank you so much, and we will talk again soon. Bye. Bye.